Last week on Let's Talk Supply Chain, we had two more brand new episodes for you. In the first, I was joined by Bill from Gaines, the supply chain performance optimization company. Bill talked us through Gaines' evolution over the years and his vision for the future. And we talked all about building customer trust in a competitive market, achieving carbon neutral through direct initiatives, not offsets, and why Gaines is committed to democratizing supply chain. It was a fantastic episode and the first of three special shows in collaboration with Gaines. So look out for the next two in the coming months. The second of last week's show was this month's Blended, and I was joined by a new panel of guests to discuss microaggression. And this was a really interesting one. We talked about what the term actually means and shared our experiences. We talked about what microaggressions can look like, the impacts they can have, and how we can start to tackle them as victims and as allies. Any underrepresented group can be a victim of microaggression. So this was an essential listening for everyone. If you missed either of those episodes, you can catch up over on letstalksupplychain.com on our YouTube channel or where at anywhere else that you subscribe to the show. Gaines was episode 374 and Blended was episode 375. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community, new innovations, and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. When you're looking for cutting-edge resources on innovation and trends across supply chain, where do you go? What about when you're on a mission to find like-minded professionals and cultivate relationships that go beyond an emoji reaction? And what about when you're trying to generate leads, build campaigns, and get ahead of the game in the unique world of supply chain marketing? Supply Chain has been missing a single collaborative hub that brings people and ideas together in an environment that is safe yet stimulating for everyone until now. Just one platform that's as dynamic and innovative as you are. Welcome to the Secret Society of Supply Chain, a private network for the supply chain community. An industry first brought to you by supply chain media entrepreneur, Sarah Barnes Humphrey. The Secret Society of Supply Chain brings professionals of all backgrounds and experience levels together in the industry's largest dynamic network, focusing on industry learning and career development, as well as networking and community. The Secret Society of Supply Chain hosts all the content, connection, and creativity you need for supply chain success. But which group is for you? Well, head over to letstalksupplychain.com, find the Secret of Society banner, and take the quiz and join our waitlist. There are limited number of spots available, so make sure to get on that waitlist so that you are one of the first into the Secret Society of Supply Chain. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. Before we start the show, I'm going to ask you a question. According to Gartner, how much is worldwide end user spending on security and risk management projected to total in 2024? Risk is a growing topic of conversation. So what do you think? Let me know your guesses over on social and keep listening because I'll let you know at the end of the show. 
So today I'm joined by a brand that is passionate about designing supply chains to thrive. Founded by a supply chain technology titan, the brand is already making waves in the industry. But who is it? Well, I'll reveal it after the question of the week. So we ask you a poll. We ask you a question in our poll every single Wednesday on the Let's Talk Supply Chain LinkedIn. Now, the question we asked you, what additional enabled technology solution would enhance your day-to-day supply chain operations. We had over 115 votes. 34% of you said order management. 41% of you said orchestration control tower. 21% of you said TMS. Now, some of the comments we had, Tamara said, or Tamara said drones for cycle counting. Pierre says rights, relevant, instant, trustworthy exceptions. We also had uh, Will. He told us to talk to Lev. Well, thank you for that. And Lev says they're focused on IoT-enabled visibility. Martin says easy access to trusted data to be used by skilled people to quickly solve problems. Well, thank you so much to everybody who weighed in on the question of the week. Remember, if you want to be part of the conversation, come back and see us every Wednesday morning on our Let's Talk Supply Chain LinkedIn. Now back to today's episode and with which forward-thinking supply chain software company is joining me today? Well, it's OptiLogic. OptiLogic's cloud-native supply chain design solution enables businesses to build digital models of future supply chains to evaluate trade-offs across cost, service, risk, and sustainability. And it's Don Hicks, founder and CEO at OptiLogic, that is joining me for the show. Don is best known for founding Lamasoft, a supply chain modeling optimization optimization and analytics solution, which went on to sell for a huge $1.5 billion. His passion and expertise is second to none. So this is going to be a real treat. Today, Don will be telling me about OptiLogic, what they do, taking a proactive approach to risk and resilience, answering the supply chain what ifs, and finding the perfect balance between cost, service, risk, and ESG goals. So welcome to the show, Don. Well, thanks, Sarah. It's great to be here. I am so excited to have you here. I mean, your career has been incredible. And what you're doing at OptiLogic now is really exciting. It's allowing us to see the future of supply chains. And we can't ask for much more than that. So let's dive in because I have a lot of questions for you. Now, you have an incredible entrepreneurial career history, which could be a whole show in itself. So just give us an overview of what that journey has looked like and how it ultimately led you to found OptiLogic. Sure, sure. So uh, a lot of times the mistake is to think there was a master plan or a grand strategy. I tend to think, you know, I see a problem. I want to solve the problem. I want to try to impact it. Um, I consider my career to be basically in applied operations research. And uh, I was a junior in high school back during the uh, McKinley administration. And uh, somebody came to talk to my high school and said, they described what operations research is, which is you can take the real world make a math model of the real world, play with the math model and make, you know, make improvements and then go change the real world. And I heard that and I said, why would anyone want to do anything differently? So I went to college knowing I was going to do exactly that. And I did. And it's, 
you know, 300 years later and I'm still doing it. So my career since then has really been not planned out, but pursuing how can I use modeling and computer models and digital technology to help people make better decisions in the real world. I love solving real problems that have an impact. Amazing. I love, love, love to hear that. And so you founded OptiLogic with the vision of redefining the principles of supply chain design. Talk to us about what's wrong with supply chains right now, the way that we designed and constructed them. Why does that need redefining? Sure. But but first, I'm going to make a quick correction to the record. Um, OptiLogic, when I started OptiLogic, I had only gotten out of, I had left LlamaSoft. I had been with LlamaSoft for 20 years. I uh, got to see it go on this beautiful journey from a, a one-person company to over 500 when, when I left in 2017. And um, within a year after that, I had wanted to get back into operations research somehow. So I actually started OptiLogic not to do supply chain. I started it to be a generic platform, a super nerd, like a place you could nerd out. And I wanted to empower really geeky developers who could make custom engines. And so we thought of it as a, de- as a development and deployment studio for mathematical engines. So you could build cool one-off uh, work streams, and then we had an API layer built around it. So as, as each of our developers might come on there and build a new solution, they've also got an API around it which solves the the issue of deploying that engine. And then that's all that's been a classically a really difficult problem. So we we made a cloud platform so you could get in there and program, writing mostly in Python, and then an API layer so you could then use that. And and supply chain came much later actually for us. And it's actually really important to know because the solution we ended up developing was one that this industry has really needed. But I didn't set out to do it. It is opportunistic. We made that wonderful platform for, and, and people started like mining, doing Bitcoin mining and all kinds of crazy stuff on there, uh, gambling simulations and all kinds of things. And then what happened was we saw and observed uh, something terrifying and remarkable. And that was in the broader marketplace, as we went through pandemic and globalization, deglobalization, mm-hmm. this whole set of, of, of assumptions we had about the world got revisited in short order. And that means you know, that, was, that was supposed to be design's moment mm-hmm. to go back and really question what's the structure of the supply chain? How, what have I done to myself with this system? And at the same time, the company that uh, Lamasoft became got acquired by Coupa, and Coupa decided that the best thing to do was crush the life out of it and destroy it, and make it that basically they sucked at that point in time. And I, I apologize for the people. There's some great people still working there, and and they're doing the best that they can. But the management team just destroyed that company, hmm. and it's it's I'm I'm not saying anything that anybody doesn't already know. LlamaSoft was the global leader in design. They had 80 out of the Fortune 100, 90 out of the Fortune 100 companies standardizing on their technology. And three or four years later, they were disliked. They had fired 
or lost, you know, over half, probably closer to three quarters of their workforce. They've just mm. been executing these people. And it's, it's just at the time design is needed most, the design leader went away. Mm. And so I was watching this with, with big eyes and I started to see all this amazing talent that I had worked really hard to recruit to come to Ann Arbor and join right. Almasoft getting fired mm-hmm. and walking off the job because they couldn't stand the, to live there and to work there. So mm-hmm. I, I decided, let me get these great people onto OptiLogic and then let's figure out what we're going to do. Right. Because with good people, you can do anything. And so some of these folks, uh, you know, Mark Goutsley and Rebecca and Steve Summer, these are, these are, these are cats that you just can't find that level of talent. So, um, and Ali Tagavi, Simon and man, so we got all these guys on board and then we started to look at the marketplace to say, does the world need another supply chain design application? Right. And what we ended up doing was as we looked and, and we listened to what customers were saying, we looked at the, the trajectory of where Coupa was going to take that technology and we decided, yes, let's pivot into this. So we started by making engines and then we said, all right, let's commit to making a supply chain design application. So we actually built an application on top of our own generic platform. Hmm. And it's really understand. It's important to understand that because we we made it the right way for the wrong reasons. Like right. People, when they start working with our platform now, what they discover is they say, oh, I can use the, the supply chain design app. It's it's just the next generation of what we did with Supply Chain Guru and what Logic Tools did and what Barlow World and Cast did. And we, we now take it to the next level. My friend Jim Wilson has been doing this for 25 years, and he feels like he finally got it right this time and design-wise. And... But underneath it, we've got this incredible extensible platform. So people are coming in through the front door on this, but then they're seeing an infrastructure that can scale up. We do the hyperscaling, not because we meant to do it. It's because we started down in the in the engine room, mm-hmm. and it's I'm, we got uh, they say uh, better lucky than smart, and mm-hmm. I, I feel that every day. We got really lucky, and customers are really benefiting from something that is a a beautiful and exceptional platform. Hmm. There's really nothing like it out there. Well, and I like what you were saying about design because when we were coming out of the pandemic into the new normal, I was hearing about a lot of supply chains really looking to redefine and redesign what their supply chain looks like. What does it mean for them? Because we're not building for the masses. We're building supply chains specifically for that particular organization. What does that need to look like? What are the risk dollars they're willing to spend you know, how can we redesign it with that in mind and with their customers in mind as well? Because that changes from organization to organization. And so for sure, you're right. Supply chain uh, professionals have been in design mode. They've been needing tools to really reconfigure what it is that they want out of their supply chains and what it means to their customers as well. For sure. And Sarah, you, you asked the right question also. I want, I, want, I want to return and make sure that we get back to this, which was picking up the thread of what went wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of what went wrong came from my previous company. We enabled 
decision-making and behavior that focused almost exclusively on optimization Mm -hmm. and almost exclusively on mathematical financial optimization. Mm -hmm. And I think we got really lackadaisical. We got really kind of lazy about stress testing these things because we had a good run of about, you know, from 2008, 2009, from the financial meltdown to about 2020, we had a pretty solid run where you could make assumptions and those assumptions didn't really get tested. And mm-hmm. the assumptions are reliable, steady, low-cost uh, production mm-hmm. and supplies from primarily China, of regulatory networks falling and making it easier to move parts around, of harmonizing tax approaches. Mm-hmm. And, and we just got and – and in a growth environment pop, you know, characterized by low inflation and stable right. currencies, mm-hmm. we got used to that. Mm-hmm. And and so people have talked about design and we uh, when I was at Llamasoft, we talked about trying to balance the criteria of design. Mm-hmm. But I think we we enabled people to fixate on optimizing. And it's it's I use the comparison about car insurance. OK, um, I asked people, hey, how many people how many of you out there have car insurance? OK, everybody raises their hand. Mm-hmm. This is it's America. You've got to have a car. It means you have to have car insurance. And then I said, well. Uh, gently, how many of you have been in a car accident? And most people haven't. And then I said, well, why didn't you cancel your car insurance? You should, it's just wasted money, right? And the fact is, you get used to thinking these things are not needed until you need it. Right. And with design, we enabled people's oversimplified approaches. Mm-hmm. What we're talking about at OptiLogic now is we always talk about design as achieving a balance achieving a, the trade-off, the right trade-off between three main criteria of the financial performance of a supply chain system, mm-hmm. the service that that system delivers, mm-hmm. and the inherent risks that are built in, built yeah. in, things that you have assumed away, but you have to know that they're there. Right. And we've now got in our platform the right set of engines to support that, and really, we spend our time trying to change the way people think, mm-hmm. as opposed to fixating on uh, on cranking out the optimization. Optimization is a core part of this, but it steers people into making risky decisions because you just don't notice them. Mm-hmm. And we made the controversial decision to take our risk engine and weld it to our optimizer. Whenever you optimize a network, you get a risk rating. Mm-hmm. You. We can't make you listen to it, but we put it there like a darn mattress tag, okay? It's there. And from a system, a service perspective, we've made it that the simulation is easier than ever so that you can test it out and see what service you're going to get. And there's no escape from this trade-off. And those are where the hard decisions have to be. Mm -hmm. Because there are times in a company's, you know, in a company's journey, they may have to grab for the optimization, they they say, I've got to go for the financials, but I'm loading up on risk. Right. And what we think of is that if you load up on risk and you don't know about it, you're you're a baby gambler. Mm-hmm. You're just at the jack, blackjack table throwing bets out there and you don't know what you're doing. Right. Executives are professional risk takers. We, we mm-hmm. try to manage and minimize, but you never eliminate risk. Right. So it's we, always there. It's always there. So in the design side, we must do you the service of saying, here's what the risks are. 
And mm-hmm. what does it mean? Well, the decision maker is going to have to decide, is, is it worth it to take that risk on or not? Yeah. So, you know, the, the big game we're hunting here, Sarah, is getting supply chain executives, senior executives to own their design as a trade-off of these main characteristics of performance. And those characteristics change based on what, what their strategic objectives are. Mm-hmm. And the, the actual trade-offs change as well. China looks a lot riskier now than it did five years ago, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And so now you may want to rebalance. Rebalance, and, yeah. And, and how you rebalance, that's design. Design right. is always designing the future state so you can move towards it. And it's never over because the world doesn't stop changing. So before we dive a little bit deeper, who is OptiLogic? What exactly do you do? How do you help your customers? Now we talked about design, but what is exactly what you do at OptiLogic? Sure. So it's important to start from the concepts of design because we're not a tools company and then the ideas come later. We start from the ideas about enabling people to look ahead, design the future, create a situation that they want to move to, get the supply chain constructed, and then we hand it off and other people do the management and the planning. Now, OptiLogic, we created the the solution, and we think that this is uh, a major breakthrough, a 100% cloud-based native platform to do all aspects of supply chain design. And by doing this, it does mean that you get our clients out of the business of dealing with hardware, dealing with setting things up. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, a, it, it's a major breakthrough. So OptiLogic makes the Cosmic Frog application for supply chain design. Cosmic Frog sits on our underlying platform called Atlas, and that's our development and ROR platform underneath. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and the last part is, for technology like this, you have to have services and support. So OptiLogic has a team of customer-facing folks, coaches, trainers, a very limited amount of professional services and consulting. And what we sell is really a design solution. And what that means is we tailor it. If you need the software and you don't need much training, that's what we'll provide. If you need more services, Mm -hmm. then we'll adjust to provide that. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I like the fact that you don't need necessarily need a lot of training. And so if I'm in the audience, really um, understanding what it is that you do and understanding the importance of design, who are those customers? What do I look like? Because you talk about supply chains on a global scale. So are you Mm -hmm. also talking about growing with companies? Who is your ideal client? Yeah, sure. So think of it this way. If you are a very small company, if you're a a three-person retail store, Mm -hmm. you still have actual complicated supply chain questions to solve, right? When do I reorder? Should I get it from this supplier? How much should I stock on the shelf? But you really don't have much time to do any of that. Step back and analyze it, Mm -hmm. okay? And we find that this continues, that some of the most interesting problems are companies that are in the 100, 200, $300 million range, annual revenue, they have complete supply chains, but they have almost nobody who can step back and analyze the whole system. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and we've looked at the the way these org charts actually change over time. You asked about who our ideal customer is. Our ideal customer is anybody who is looking to redesign their network 
and figure out what's the supply chain they need. Sometimes that company is big enough where they have people on staff whose full-time job it is to analyze and design. We tend to see this inflection point when companies get, as a rule of thumb, over about a billion dollars a year in revenue. We start seeing that a VP of supply chain or a chief supply chain officer role is there, and that person ends up having a couple of people on staff who are full-time analysts and designers. Mm -hmm. Before then, if you're smaller than that, you still have the problems, but you don't have the extra budget to have full-time staff. So those guys will often rely on, the smaller companies rely on consultants Mm -hmm. and trusted partners and will work directly with those consultants. We love those guys. Amazing. Once a company gets over a billion dollars or so approximately, and especially once you get over two billion, there's a group of people in that company whose full-time job it is figuring out modeling on out and designing the supply chain. Mm -hmm. So it's easier to find those folks in the larger companies, but it's not because smaller companies don't have needs. It's because they don't have people and bandwidth. Mm -hmm. So our, when we get talking to folks, if you're a larger company and your job is network design, supply chain strategy, supply chain modeling, we're probably already talking to you. We're, We're in our little field. We're kind of a big name. Amazing. If you're a smaller company, and, and the thing about smaller companies is there are so many of them. Mm-hmm. Historically, in this field, those guys got priced out and they would go to consultants. What we're seeing now is an emerging of a new market, a new niche, because I don't I didn't mention this, but we offer Cosmic Frog and our full stack as a free account for everybody. Wow. So and you don't have to talk to a salesperson. Mm. And this is this is this is so subversive. I love it because it undermines the entire business model of gatekeeping and showing you things and trying to dangle it in front of you. Mm-hmm. We want and we think our customer that the world's customers needs to be able to evaluate software and technology before you commit. And so that's what we did. And people still that. can't believe it. They're like mm-hmm. So how do you, do you, do you have to set up a whole new thing for my company? No, we are a hundred percent cloud native, which means when you go log in, make your new account, there isn't a setup and you're any, anybody can go get their account. And we want people to be able to have this toolkit as they go from job to job in their career. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's another part of the game is that uh, people will often lose access to the tools when they right. change companies. Yeah. But the result of that is to make it that we have fewer and fewer people who can actually do design. Right. Right at the time we need more people doing yeah. it. We need it the most. We are trying to blow this up, Sarah. We are revolutionaries blowing up the, the world order here because we think everybody needs to think like a designer. Mm-hmm. So you asked who are who are our ideal people. The the people who are ideal for us are supply chain professionals who want to change the game mm-hmm. and move to a different situation. I, I like to quote uh, Herbert Simon, the polymath, who who said, "Anyone who does de- anyone designs who tries to change their existing situation into a preferred situation. Mm-hmm. If you're a change agent, if you want to make things better, big or small." we're here for you. You're our people. Well, and you are turning it 
up on its head and you're really taking how people think about technology and what that looks like and really changing it into a completely different paradigm because you're giving it for free and they're able to use it and then they can take it with them as they build their career, which is really, really crazy. Now, your old company was Lamasauce Soft. You're talking about Cosmic cosmic Frog. Do you like animals or something? Like, what is it with animals? <laughs> well, there's, there's a lot of jokes I could make about that because I was just at a steak place last night and I was really enjoying animals. <laughs> um, I, I would say that um, there's, a, there's a lighthearted part about this, which is, when we think about what we do in design, mm-hmm. we think about the ideal would be you as a, as a decision maker or a thinker. What you want to do is to be able to see all the possible futures, all the possible universes you might enter into. Mm-hmm. So you can choose. If you can see all the possible future designs, you'd want to pick one. Mm-hmm. And we just envisioned it as a frog sitting there quietly in the middle like a, you know, like a Tibetan lama being able to see all of the multiverse. So, because there's not a question of which one is best. There's which one do I choose? Choose. And and we just saw the frog is that. But I will say, it's also the case that the weirdos that came up with LlamaSoft would obviously come up with Cosmic Frog. I mean, it just makes sense. (laughs) Okay, that's fair. (laughs) I I will say the last part about this, which is supply chain can be so flippin' dry. Mm-hmm. We take ourselves so seriously. Uh, I had one executive say, well, supply chain is serious business and Cosmic Frog doesn't sound like a serious name. Uh. <laughs> and, and to me, that encaps- I know, I, I, it encapsulates everything that's wrong about this. Because, you know, it's true if I'm driving a truckload of hazardous material, I should be taking it pretty seriously. Mm-hmm. But what is design? Design is about changing it and envisioning a different future. And what do you need to do that? Besides cosmic frog licenses, what you need is imagination. You have to be, you have to have some fun with it. Creativity. Supply chain is so unfun. These people Mm -hmm. and often, and I see this from the vendors, they, they deny personality, they deny creativity and it's just a freaking drag. Mm -hmm. And, and it has to be fun. And design is a beautiful artistic expression in the supply chain world. So all of that to say, we put fun on there because it's actually, it's essential to do the job. Mm -hmm. It's not a, it's not a nice to have, it's must have to Mm -hmm. envision better futures. Hey, I I like where I'm coming from. I well, like the you. name. So let's keep it with Cosmic Frog, but let's keep this going, going, right? Frog. Because Cosmic Frog has a few different core areas. There's optimization, yeah. there's simulation, um, and I believe there's risk. Can you walk me mm-hmm. through each one of these and what it actually means to organizations looking to design their supply chain? Absolutely. It's a it's a great question and it's important. The things you mentioned are are I call them engines, mm-hmm. little little analytical power engines that you can apply to a problem. And let's take the first one, optimization. Optimization is, it's a noun and it's generally speaking, a whole class of problem solving approaches to take a mathematical approach to a model and solve it analytically to find what set of inputs maximizes an output, an objective function. Mm-hmm. In supply chain design, we often talk about mixed integer linear programming. 
-hmm. It's this specific solver approach to do network optimization. And it is a, it's a beautiful technique. It's still the backbone of what people do. But network optimization assumes away a lot of stuff like time, complexity, stochastic randomness, variability. It, it doesn't model those things, and it doesn't model risk. It just takes a math problem, a math appro uh, approximation of your network, and solves it. We, you know, tapped into the biggest, the biggest amount of experience in the industry to do a world-class network optimization engine. It's in there. But what we've been talking about is trade-offs. Mm -hmm. So network optimization can generate a proposed structure with, that it thinks it's best. But you better test that darn thing before you roll it out, right? So, true. so we, have a, we have a simulation engine. And the simulation engine does not tell you what to do. It doesn't predict an optimal answer. It just says, if you use this network with this set of business rules, here's what you're going to see. Not just services, but financials and uh, you know, stock out performance and all, kind, you know, all of the metrics. So network optimization is just a tool to generate a proposed change. Mm -hmm. Simulation is a test environment to figure it out. And if I uh, often, I don't even need the optimization engine because I already know I'm looking at this path or that path. The right way to do it is simulate both paths and then see how well those metrics stack up. Okay? The third engine we talk about is the risk engine. And our, our risk engine, and it's we, we built it ourselves, we, we developed the methodology, it's completely proprietary, but it's also very wide open. We publish all the calculations that are in there. Mm -hmm. You can construct your own version of this thing, super easy, and for our customers, if they want to see how it gets calculated, we show it to them. Mm -hmm. There's no nothing hidden there. It's a risk rating engine is the way to huh. think of it. Okay. There's so much confusion around risk. If I take a supply chain configuration, a supply chain's design, mm -hmm. and then I run, I rate it to say, okay, my customers and demand are concentrated here. My suppliers are concentrated here. I've got this supplier that I have one supplier that is somewhat unwisely located next to a biohazard level four weapons okay. lab in Belarus. Right. I probably would want to know that. Mm -hmm. And so we risk rate it. And then, and then we flag all of the red, you know, in red, the risks and risks can be single sourcing. Risks can be too much complexity, mm -hmm. can be too much concentration. There's, you know, it still might be the right answer, but we rate it and huh. it can take any, any structure and do that. And so, so those are the three main engines. We have so a with, couple of others. But yeah. So with that risk, like if you're at like yeah. 9.4, are there like yeah. big flashing lights and like, oh, yeah. do not enter here? Or what does it look like? Because you seem like a fun guy. And so, so when you're designing this software, I'm pretty sure you are putting some fun things in there. So I think it's awesome that you go into flashing lights like we're we're <laughs> color coding these things for sure. Um, and we do the red and green and yellow and stuff. Okay. But I love the flashing lights. And I actually, there's a few cases where we do sound effects. Okay. Uh, the, there is, for example, a hidden, uh, an Easter egg game for uh, where you can get into an asteroids kind of thing where you end up okay. trying to blow up, blow up little llamas in space. It's pretty mm -hmm. funny. Okay. Um, but to your point, we abs it's not it doesn't matter what the risk rating is mm -hmm. it matters 
why it is calculated like that. So the, why? it's more yeah. important to take the drill down. And that's what we focused on is, you, you great, you get a number. What's the difference between 9.5 and 9.4? 0.1 is the answer. Right. It's meaningless. Mm-hmm. The important thing is when you look at the 9.4 and you see all greens but one big red block, mm-hmm. and then you discover that your one warehouse has been put next to a shaky nuclear plant in China. Right. Yeah. That's probably something you want to know. Yeah. Now, you might still make that choice. But up until Cosmic Frog, we weren't even telling people about that. And, and mm-hmm. you know, I hope our the few competitors that are sort of in the ballpark, I hope they catch up on this one because the, the problems are bigger than any one vendor. I hope mm-hmm. everybody signs on to getting decision makers to think better and to think more clearly about the bigger picture. Yeah. That's well, certainly what think, we're doing with risk. Yeah, and to think differently about the risk. I mean, we talk about risk all the time. I talk about risk all the time. People come on the show. We do LinkedIn Lives. We're talking about risk. Where do we want to spend the risk dollars? But how do you determine where you want to spend those risk dollars? What does that look like for you? What is the risk tolerance, right? Maybe the risk tolerance in sourcing is different from the risk tolerance in procurement. And maybe we need to figure out what that balance is, but you can't really figure out with that without all of the details. And it could be That's as right. simple as, as that warehouse being close to something that you don't want to be close to, especially if something that you're talking about is around maybe your products around sustainability. I mean, who knows? It's different from for every organization. Now, Talking about case studies, can you paint us a picture of when a client, what was the challenge that they were having? What was the solution that you provided to them? And what was the ROI and benefit they um, assumed from working with you? Sure. So um, it's tricky with design because when we talk about ROI, um, not having a supply chain that blows up, what's the ROI of, of avoiding a bad outcome? It, it's really, really hard to do that. This has actually been a, traditionally a problem in simulation technologies in, in general. Mm-hmm. How do you quantify avoiding doing stupid things? I mean, there's a kind of a way to do that, but there's so many assumptions that go into play. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's easier when you get closer to operational and planning because you can say, here were my financials with this supply chain. I kept the same supply chain but made different decisions. Mm-hmm. That's called planning, right. and you can you can tend to prove those on out. Um, in the design side, it is supporting big decisions. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, what I would say is, we we have some some great customers. Uh, Peco Pallets was one of our first early customers. Okay. United Rentals is a fantastic customer. Mm-hmm. Um, our friends over at Sumitomo uh, have made us big in Japan. Mm-hmm. And um, Sumitomo's team is out there doing inventory and inventory simulation at a really advanced level. For them, they'll test out different inventory strategies and simulate it on out. So not just trying to optimize it, but if I want to make a different decision, if I want to segment inventory, if I want to give one customer a different, you know, set aside some emergency supply for that customer, what does it do from an interrelatedness? So what is it? What's the effect on other service rates. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of what if analysis that's happening. And um, for us, it's also difficult because every customer has a different set of things that they're interested in. Okay. You know, in, in the planning world, you lock down a model, 
the the model is there in the in the app and it's locked in and you just put data in it. With us, the same customer may do ten will do ten different applications using the same application because we do the entire end to end supply chain. Right. So uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say there's there's plenty of folks out there marketing people who publish. Uh, you can save five percent, ten percent of costs on your network, but I really discourage us from hanging up on that okay. and and focusing just on that. Um, let's see, I think I answered most of your question in you terms did. of case studies and things. You know, we've got a lot of stuff on our resource library, which you can you can actually get at our case studies through your Cosmic Frog account that's waiting there for you to log in. I know you're <laughs> gonna at, at the end of this. I know you're gonna go make your account, so I I. I look forward to getting your feedback on that. I Become love the confidence. I mean, it's free, so why not? You may as well go and check it out. Now, we've talked about risk, resilience, optimization, but the other key element that supply chains of the future can't ignore is sustainability, which I mentioned before. And we have to start ma- ma- uh, taking meaningful action now. But understandably, lots of organizations aren't really sure where to start. So how can supply chain design and simulation with OptiLogic give organizations maybe that information they need to start making some impactful change? Yeah, that's that's right. Um, the way to think of it is that um, I think implied in your discussion about in your definition of sustainability is a grouping around what I think of as externalities things that we don't normally measure, but we know are important. CO2 emissions is, is obviously the one that we all could kind of, we've been talking about this for a year, you know, I, for years. Mm-hmm. Back at LamaSoft, I was there designing the original CO2 implementation for greenhouse gas emissions, not just CO2, but methane and mm-hmm. other externalities. The way to think of it is those, practically speaking, we've rarely, almost never seen a company that says, I'm going to take sustainability and make that a hard constraint. Instead, what they say is, I want to know what are the externalities? What are the emissions if I take path A or use transport mode A, transport mode B? Mm -hmm. If I run things less frequently with larger loads, what's the effect? Does that, by the way, does that override the considerations of, hey, it's cheaper to do it this way? Mm -hmm. Sustainability from a from an externalities and external impact is something you have to measure, and we measure it. We report it in Cosmic Fraud. How to trade that off is something that the world is working on and, and hasn't really gotten around to. We've tried pricing mechanisms. We've tried, uh, you know, carbon taxes. If you put it into a carbon tax, it goes into the model, and then you can optimize around it and, mm-hmm. and incorporate it as a trade off. But most of the time those sustainability goals are squishier. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, I want to cut my CO2 emissions, but if the financial gain is so great, then maybe I'll take that extra gain and I hope go put it into buy carbon credits or to do something else that'll be more okay. green. That part about if you can't trade it off directly, if I can't cost the externality, then I can't trade it off in a precise way. Mm-hmm. And that means I'm in the realm of soft trade-offs mm-hmm. of at least understanding it. And so we measure it, we report it, but the trade-off question is something that I think the decision makers have to figure out for themselves based on how they position their company. And I guess I'd say that the the final analysis on this one, the final word is there's no excuse anymore for not 
simulating out and testing out a detailed future. Measure it. The measure the sustainability impact. Measure the amount of uh, water usage that your new approach will take. You're you're going to go into and put a plant in the desert. Measure how much water that's going to take. Yeah. Measure the solid waste that comes out from return aside from delivering, you know, more packaging to customers. Mm-hmm. Measure it, and then you can at least understand and make the decision better. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, Lego just came out and said that they the way that they were going to go for sustainable building bro- blocks is not actually more sustainable, and so they've gone back to I think what they were doing before while they yeah. keep testing. And so you're right. You know. We don't have all of the answers, but you do have all of the data at your fingerprints, at your fingertips when you are looking to make some of those decisions that you could actually ask more questions about. So that's fair. So we're nearing the end of um, 2023, and I can't believe it. I don't know about you, but I can't believe it. What should we be thinking about for in 2024? Do you have any trends or predictions you could share? Oh, boy. Um... It sure is a weird time. Supply chain is a part of the world. Mm-hmm. And so many of the problems I see in supply chain are related to the world. One of the biggest ones is misinformation and bullshit. Okay. And, or corporate marketing, as it's called mm-hmm. in many vendors. I think that I, I will encourage, encourage all of our clients, prospects, everybody that's out there, don't just listen to the BS that people are schlepping your way. There's so much hand waving. You know, when someone says and they when they they're advertising or talking to you about their supply chain solution, they say it's an AI enabled enterprise platform. Mm-hmm. What the f does that even mean? Mm-hmm. You know, AI what? What is what did your AI do? The inexplainability of AI is getting it into some real trouble now. It's just a magic, you know, it's a thing, right? Mm-hmm. You just say that you have it. I think customers have to be much more demanding. If they don't understand what a vendor is saying to them, mm-hmm. it's not their fault. It's the vendor's fault. Mm-hmm. I think we need to get back into speaking precisely, cleanly about what we have, what we don't have, what we do, and insist that if someone is waffling or hand-waving, they're wrong. They mm-hmm. need to be. They need to come clean. We need to push back on the misinformation, disinformation side of this, okay? Mm -hmm. So that's one thing. I think another thing is um, technology investments over a long term have been more and more and more expensive. Um, If you go through a process to pick a solution to, to, uh, to, you know, a a new supply chain application in whatever space you're talking about, and you go through a process, you pick the vendor, it costs so much money. It takes so much time. And then you discover you were sold a lemon. Mm-hmm. That happens. Mm-hmm. And what happens then is you, you have to defend your choice mm-hmm. because you don't want to look like an idiot right. who recommended this, this broke ass planning solution that mm-hmm. they told you that it was AI enabled next generation with a word mm-hmm. salad served up next to it. And then a year in, you're like, shit, I can't even adjust the settings because we're still implementing it. Right. People, I I feel bad for those procurement processes. I think the trend is going to continue to be lighter weight, easy to configure, access to it before you implement. Mm -hmm. 
And you can say, well, gosh, that's really hard. But I don't care. It's where the world is going. Mm-hmm. Our customers, if they try out what we're doing in design and it's not working for them, they're, they're out some of the time that they did to evaluate it. Mm-hmm. But we're lucky because we don't have anything to hide. Right. There's a lot. We see this more in the planning space where some of these old line vendors, these guys that wrote their software 25 years ago, and now they have a web browser on front of it, trying to pretend like it's a new solution, but you don't know because you can't try it. Mm-hmm. I think that the customer, the marketplace out there is going to be less tolerant of this kind of op- opacity, these opaque procurement and sales driven approaches. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those old line vendors, it's time for them to go. Okay. Well, I so I think really, you know, taking a look at the information that you're ingesting, I mean, it's one of the reasons why we have this podcast, right? Because we're not telling anybody who to use and who not to use and who's sure. better than everybody else. We're just actually giving that information and trying to get from the vendor exactly who they are and what they do and help how they help their customers to help give the right information to the community so they can make those right decisions. But you're right. I mean, we need to be able to test it out. We need to be able to know that if I spend nine months and I ask my team to spend nine months, let's say six months, hopefully not that long, to onboard a technology to get us where we think we need to go, we also need to understand our processes, where we want to go, what that success looks like, but we need to be able to test it out and make sure that it is the right one. So I agree with you on that. So finally, then what does the future hold for OptiLogic? Sure. I want to pick up with this because I'm going to give you a little bit of a tip off. We haven't talked about this. It's a really new project with a new customer, you know, call it a billion dollar food industry customer, a niche food industry. Mm -hmm. And this customer is doing what we see the future. They are using our application and our simulation environment. And what they're gonna do is test out, they're, they're making a switch to a different TMS, okay? So they they do a lot of, they have their own fleet, they have trucks running everywhere out there, and it's really complex, and they don't know how that's gonna work. We are working with them to give them a synthetic environment, so a model of their network, where they can change which customers they have. They can look at if I acquired this competitor, and put mm-hmm. the networks together, what truck routes am I going to run in that future state? Mm. All the way down to stops. And then you know what the effect is going to be on total cost. Mm-hmm. It's a we we see people wanting to do this in the inventory side. They say, mm-hmm. well, if I switch off from this inventory system to this other one, really how well will it work? Mm-hmm. Eventually, people are going to use OptiLogic's modeling and platform to test out vendor selection before they buy from a specific vendor. Mm-hmm. And that is nuts. That is that is something people have wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But imagine if you say, well, before I make my commitment, let's run it through the simulator of my enterprise and mm-hmm. we'll see what kind of ROI I think I'm going to get from that. Right. That future is coming. And in fact, in some cases, like the one where I was just mentioning, which I hope we'll be talking about as a big case study next year, mm-hmm. that future is here. That enables change because you, you, you know, enabling change means making it safe to mm-hmm. not screw it up. How do yeah. you do it? Synthetic environment. That's the power. Hmm. 
Well, I can't wait to see what happens with that. It sounds to be a uh, like a really incredible project. So keep us informed. And in Got order it. to withstand future disruptions, organizations need to th- start thinking proactively and bring risk identification and mitigation into their supply chain design process. And you can do exactly that with OptiLogic. Their powerful Cosmic Frog software creates blueprints of future supply chains, helping your organization to take a proactive approach to supply chain risk management, mitigate threats, ensure business continuity, and prevent your organization from being blindsided by unforeseen crisis events. If you want to find out more, you can check them out at optilogic.com. And did you have a guess at today's big question? Well, at the top of the show, I asked you, according to Gartner, how much is worldwide end user spending on security and risk management projected to total in 2024? Well, it's a huge $215 billion, which is an increase of 4.3% from 2023, according to new forecasts. So make sure you are not behind and that your organization is paying attention to risk. Don, thank you so much for joining me today and to the team at OptiLogic for making this episode happen. Thanks, Don. What a pleasure, Sarah. Thank you. Did you know that the average cost of losing an hourly supply chain worker has reached $19,607? And that recent research shows that 77% of hourly supply chain workers are considering a job change in the next three months. This could have a huge impact on your productivity, bottom line, and culture. Workstep is helping supply chain companies to better engage their distributed hourly workforce at scale. Understand the true reasons behind their workforce turnover and take actions to make positive changes and reduce attrition. Workstep has successfully helped many companies reduce their frontline worker turnover by up to 36%. Visit workstep.com to learn more. If you would like to hear more from us, we have plenty more content for you featuring the best and the brightest in the industry. Head over to letstalksupplychain.com. Check out the podcasts and the blogs because if you have a supply chain challenge, we've most likely had the solution on the show. And so use our filter function. We also have a search function as well. And uh, put in your keywords and all of that content will come up and you can figure out if they are the right solution for your supply chain challenge. And remember to come back next week. We are bringing back an episode of Thoughts and Coffee that was hosted by DC, the host of Action Items, and Hope White, who is the host of No Bullshipping, both really popular shows for Let's Talk Supply Chain, both amazing hosts, and they're going to give you all the insights you need on the supply chain trends. That was, uh, they, they did that episode probably about a month or so ago. And so do not miss out on that one. It is a really, really great episode. And if you enjoy the show, there's a few ways to support us. You can follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Subscribe to our newsletter. Now, 
you do not want to miss out on our newsletter. You want to go to letstalksupplychain.com. You want to hit that subscribe button because we are giving you all the industry trends. We're giving you all of the greatest content happening every single week. So go and check that out. Hit the subscribe button. Get your free supply chain dictionary. And then also head over to YouTube and subscribe to Let's Talk Supply Chain as well. We've got a lot of great content there. We've got some YouTube shorts going to be happening. We've got lots and lots going on over there. Plus, when we go live, you'll get notified. Plus, we've got some really cool merch for that supply chainer in your life. So head over to letstalksupplychain.com. Check out what we have. And if you haven't signed up for the Secret Society of Supply Chain yet, you have no idea what you're missing. Now, we have put together a community of groups specifically to include everybody in the industry. So there is something for everyone. There's three groups. The first one is the supply chainers with 450 hours of exclusive content. We have interviewed some of the biggest leaders, supply chain leaders, about their best practices on specific topics. Plus, you get to network with industry peers. It's a value of $10,000 for $14.99 a month. $14.99 a month. Plus, if you take the yearly option, you can be put into um, a giveaway for the Let's Talk Supply Chain Air Force Ones. Next, we've got a virtual monthly meetup for women in supply chain. Professionally facilitated, this is your opportunity to get together on a regular basis and talk about what's happening, do professional and personal development. Plus, you get access to the Supply Chainers Group. So that is a value of $25,000 for only $2,200 a year. All of the membership, bring our mentorship, bringing everybody together. And last but not least, we have a virtual monthly meetup for marketing professionals in supply chain. That's right. Hosted by me, you get together with industry peers and you get to test some of your ideas and campaigns on potential clients. Plus, I'm going to be bringing in experts and that's a value of $50,000 for only $6,500 a year. If you are interested in any of these groups, you can head over to letstalksupplychain.com. We have it on the homepage, or you can email us at hello at secretsocietyofsupplychain.com. Now, if you want to be featured on an upcoming episode, head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.